This is the Impact Church Podcast. Here at Impact, we believe a powerful word at the right time can help you overcome any challenges you are facing. Wherever you are listening or whatever you're going through, we pray this message speaks exactly to your need. Enjoy. Welcome this morning to Impact Church. It's a blessing to be in worship together this morning. Whether you are live in person or you are at home, we welcome you and are glad to have you this morning, glad you can participate. God is a good God. How many people believe that this morning? It doesn't matter what it looks like, doesn't matter what it feels like, doesn't matter what you're going through. He does not change. He remains the same. And because he remains the same, you can trust in his love. How about that? Amen? Well, I'm going to ask you to jump into or pull out your sermon outline. It's actually on your phone. If you go to the YouVersion Bible app and open up Impact Church or Impact Gwinnett, you will click on events and you will find our scripture and an outline for this morning. We're going to pick up a bit where we were last week. This really is a year of reset. Um... We've declared that here, at least in our, our, this church and our house, and, and I believe it's also indicative for where the church of Jesus Christ is, where our nation is. We talked a bit last week about how to reset in dark times, and I want to take you a little further in that this week, a little further in that this week. How many of you can see the darkness that's around? I mean, we, we, you know, we're not playing with it. You, you know, you just recognize it. You could see it. You could sense it. You could hear it over the airwaves. You can hear it as you talk to people. You can see it in people's attitudes and people's actions. But it is a dark time, and it's important that we acknowledge that so we know how to respond in a dark time. And I just want to reiterate a few things that, that are going on now that it's important that as, as believers that we are in a position, somebody shout position, that we're in a position to address, and not only to address, but also to work through. Um, the Bible says to everything there's a season, right? It actually says there's a season to, uh, to live and to die, the season to plant, season to reap. There's a reason, there's a season to embrace and a season to refrain from embracing. How many know that this is the season that we are actually refraining from embracing? Don't come embracing me now. Amen. So there's a season to everything. And with that, you know, with a season, here's the thing about a season. A season is not just a day. It's, 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 a, it's a period of time. But the, the key about, about any season is living through it and lasting through it. Amen. And as long as you have the tools, then you can make it through it. Tell somebody, say, if you've got the tools, you can make it through it. Put that in the chat box this morning. So I just want to deal with a few things that you already know. You already know that it's dark. And let me just tell you why you sense it and where you feel it at and where I see it at and, and then where we go from here. But first of all, I was, it was interesting to notice how many people actually believe, um, and obviously I don't, but there are people who do um, believe that the election was rigged. Roughly one in three Americans believe that the election was rigged. That's a big number. That's a really big number, and it's left us in a dark place because if you believe that, then how do you feel this morning? You don't feel the same way as those that don't believe it. 
pretty dark place. Last week was an historic time. It will definitely go down in the history books, and your grandchildren will read about January 6, 2021, as rioters uh, brought forth an insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. And what this week revealed was that it was a very coordinated, not by everybody, but by many, very coordinated uh, effort um, really to hold hostage some people that serve in government, to hurt or harm others, and to halt the democracy and the democratic process. And then I know as a, as a person of color, personally, I feel it. Somebody I was talking to and I hadn't talked to, um, a colleague I hadn't talked to probably, I don't know, five or six months, and I just, we did a, um, a Zoom, and they just asked me how I was doing, and I was just saying, it's been challenging, you know, when you, when you wake up in, as a person of color and you see what's happening in the world, and you see really, um, I don't even know the word for it, um, verse, 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 uh, forget it, never mind. Um, <laughs> but when you see how, how, how angry people really are and how divided we really are, I was reading an article the other day about just this a couple of days ago I heard about a senator who said he was apologizing I forget which state he was from he was apologizing saying the reason even with how he voted and things as are related to the to the um to the election his theories about the election he said I want to apologize to uh, my black constituents in my home and also across the country because I didn't realize that when I when I voted that the election was rigged I didn't realize that I was actually saying that your vote didn't count that you, just, you obviously don't have one black friend in your life because I'd have told you. But, but, but you can see how divided we are, and you can see where we really are in our race relations. And then, obviously, the thing that we all are dealing with is this rise in COVID cases. That's, that hasn't gone away. So this is almost, we're in January, and we, it came in the United States in February last year, and it hit us in March as far as shutting things down, but this has been a season and, and you gotta know how to make it through a season and how to endure the season. It's been a dark season. So as we started with COVID, the numbers were much smaller. How many remember, remember when the numbers were under 5,000? You know, but looking today, the cases in the United States are almost 400 million that have had COVID. And we're not even at it at 12 months. There are almost 400, 396,000 people have lost their lives to COVID. It has been a very, very dark season and a dark cloud over our country. And as we are during this talk time, dark time, you would think that with this big thing going on with, uh, with COVID, that the, the nation would be united, right? That families would be united, that communities would be united, that we could find common ground. And it's, it's interesting how actually the opposite has happened. Usually, and that's why I said last week, I said, even with the insurrection, I said, I don't know if there's been a darker time in my lifetime. And it's not because as many people died as 9-11 uh, at, the, at the Capitol last week, but it's because at least 9-11, it was somebody out there. Y'all ain't saying nothing. It's a whole other monster when it's somebody in here, in your house, in your city, in your country. That's dark. And you don't know who that somebody is because it could be your neighbor. When I was in school, I'm just talking this morning. When I was in school back in the mid-2000s, one of the things I learned, we, I was in a future course and things like that, and they said the wars of the 21st century will not be uh, physical or geographical. They'll be ideological, ideological. And just to live now to 2020 and 21, to see that 
walked out to see how different ideologies, that's really what we're wrestling with is your ideology says one thing, mine says another, yours says a different one. And there's a war, there's a wrestling taking place about whose ideology is right. And as we do, as we look at where the nation is in the midst of all this darkness, we also recognize that we're wrestling about ourselves. It's a wrestle with, number one, who have we been? It's, it, you know, some people look at the, at the nation and think it's been God's gift to the world, and in some ways it has been. And others look at the nation and say, in our past, and say, yeah, but we got some really bad stuff in our past, and some of it's creeping up into our present. We're wrestling not just with our past, but we are wrestling with our present. We're wrestling in our present to see who we really are now. There are people that would say right now, you know, just for instance, just the war of words, just the war when you hear uh, Black Lives Matter, that, that triggers some people. Are you with me this morning? And then so the response is, well, all lives matter. We're, we're at a war right now with, well, who, who are we really? Is it, is it liberty and justice for all or for some? And really what you see people fighting a lot about right now is not just where we've been, not just where we are, but who we're going to be as a nation. This last election was unprecedented. I think uh, Donald Trump got 75 or close to 75 million, and, and uh, uh, Vice President-elect, President he got about 80 million roughly. Folks, more people voted in this election than ever because they were wrestling with, in their mind, who we're going to be in the future. Because right now, in all the darkness that's going on, there's an uncertainty about tomorrow. I don't know if you picked that up or not. There's an uncertainty about tomorrow. I was telling my wife, I said, yeah, there was time I didn't have to watch the news. I said, it didn't matter. I could just look up a few, few days later. I said, you missed the news one day. Lord, everything may be different by the time you catch up. There's a lot of uncertainty about what tomorrow looks like. And I want to bring that back into play because I want to pick up a bit more with Jacob this morning because as we look at where we're going to land with Jacob, you're going to find that Jacob is in that same place of uncertainty and he's still in a dark place even further in his life. Now Jacob, as we talked about last week, Abraham, then who? Isaac, then Jacob. Awesome. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So there is a promise and if you've been in in the Bible uh, story this, this year, reading along, you, you've seen the big picture of Genesis and, and how it's broken up and why Genesis 12 to the rest of Genesis is all about one family because God has a plan despite the darkness. All right? So part of God's plan to deal with the darkness is going to be having his own family, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we're going to find out later on that through that whole line comes the Christ and births the church. All right? So God's got a plan in the midst of darkness, even when you can't see it. And so Jacob, though, is got himself in a bit of a pickle because you remember that Jacob manipulated to get the birthright. And the birthright meant that when dad died, you're going to get double. So if, there, if, if, um, if it was Aaron and Brandon, uh, Brandon would get two-thirds of my inheritance and Aaron would get one-third. Unless Aaron lied and cheated and, 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 and connived and manipulated and he switched and got Brandon's lot. So that's the first one. Then the second time around, we find out that Isaac is old and Isaac cannot see. Isaac is blind and is, he's wanting to bless his sons and, and give him a blessing but because he, he doesn't know how much time he has. And, and uh, Jacob tricks him and receives Esau's blessing. And so because of that, there's a schism in the family and it sets Jacob down a really bad course of events. We talked about last week that he meets God on the run because Jacob is now a fugitive and he's a black sheep of his family. As a matter of fact, Esau, when he finds out that Jacob has stolen 
the blessing, which means that, let me explain what that meant. When you get the blessing, it meant that you now have the, the headship in the family. You are the one that is superior. You have the position of authority in the family, and your lineage does. And so when Esau finds out, he goes back to his dad, and he says, Dad, he says, hasn't Jacob lived up to his name being a trickster? It's something when folks live into their names. We'll talk about that in a minute. And so now God speaks, to, we, met, we find out last week that God speaks to Jacob in his sleep and he shows him a ladder. And in the ladder he sees angels ascending and descending. We talked about how that was a depiction of the access that God gives us to those assets that he has for us in heaven. And during that dream, God gives a, uh, Jacob a promise that Jacob... I'm still with you. Yeah, you messed up. Yeah, you made some mistakes. You did some, some things that, that were not right. But I'm still with you, and the promise is still on your life. Touch yourself and say, the promise is still on my life. All right, that's important to know. And so Jacob gets up, and he says, God says, I'm going to make you a multitude of people, and you're going to have a whole lot of kids, and, and through your line, the world is going to be blessed. So Jacob gets up out of there. He leaves Bethel. He makes it a sacred place. He leaves <clears throat> And he goes on a long journey for almost 20 years. And over the course of 20 years, when Jacob leaves and he goes on his journey, when he, when he leaves and he comes back, we find out over 20 years what happens to Jacob. Jacob goes to his uncle's house. He stays with his uncle. From, at, during that 20-year time, he served his uncle. His uncle said, well, if you're going to serve me, I might as well pay you. He said, you know what, unk, you ain't got to give me money. I'm looking for a wife. Just throwing, throwing that lady right there. I like that one right there. Well, that lady was Rachel, and he, he fell in love with Rachel, and he wanted to get Rachel. So Laban said, cool, you worked for me for seven years. Rachel is all yours. I tell you what, it's something when a trickster tries to fool another trickster. Game recognized, game right. So the night of the wedding, uh, the supposed wedding, he, Jacob doesn't realize that he didn't, get, he didn't get Rachel. He got Leah, and Leah wasn't pretty. Leah was not pretty. The Bible says she was cross-eyed. She just had some things that were just not, you know what I'm saying? She wasn't his first choice. And so, so he, he goes back and says, you tricked me. He said, well, the uncle said, well, yeah, yeah, I kind of did. But, but you, can, you can still have Rachel just work another seven years. Joseph's like, all right, cool, I'll work another seven years. So Joseph works another seven years. He gets Rachel. That's the one that he really loved. So then it comes time to have children, and Rachel can't have kids. But Leah can. Leah just pushing them out. Boom, next one. Boom, next one. Boom, all these sons are coming. Long story short, Rachel winds up having kids through midwives and et cetera, and eventually births her own son. By the time 20 years is over, Jacob has been serving. Now he's leaving his, his uncle with two wives, 11 sons. He'll have a 12th later. Two wives, 11 sons, and a boatload of cattle. He leaves as a very wealthy man. And he's headed back to, as the scripture says, he's going to come back to where his father was, where Abraham was. And he's on his way. And as he's on his way, he's got one thing concerned. When you are a fugitive, there's only one thing that you're concerned about. Getting caught. The last message he got about his brother is, your brother wants to kill you. So he's headed back home. And now, you know, it's one thing when you've got an enemy and it's just you, Right? It's another thing, like if I'm walking through a shady place, I don't care, I've walked through a shady place, I ain't worried about it, for the most part. <laughs> Notice that, for the most part. I put that little clause in, it's for the most part. <laughs> but I am worried, if I'm walking through a shady place and I'm walking with Pastor Mona, that just messes up the whole game, because then it's like, not only is it me, but I gotta look out for her, and I don't know if I could do both of that at the same time, and I don't wanna not, I wanna make sure she's all right, so now it takes a whole nother level, I got more to lose. 
Jacob shows back up in town. He left with a staff in his hand. He comes back with a whole household, a whole nother household, two wives, 11 kids, and a whole lot of cattle. And, and he knows the next day he's going to face Esau. He knows that. And the Bible says that what he begins to do, he begins to prepare for this thing. So, so what he does is he sends uh, Rachel over the brook with her kids. He said, I, I, I'm going to separate it because I'm going to put Rachel over here on that side of the brook with all her kids. I'm going to put Leah over there on that side of the brook with all her kids. And at least tomorrow when I meet Esau, if, if, he, if he takes out Leah, I still got Rachel that side of him. If he takes out Rachel, I still got Leah and those sons. And he leaves everything on the other side. And he's got this great big plan. You know, you need to have a contingency plan. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, if this happened, I'm going to do this. Come on, somebody. If the check bounced, I'm going to take the money from over here. Y'all, y'all know about contingency planning. And so he, he's got all his plans lined up. He's got everything set aside the way he wants it to be. And then the Bible takes us right here to this account. He, he's, he's, he's going to this place to be alone, and this is where we meet him at now. In Genesis 32, 24, if you don't have the Bible app, open to Genesis 32, 24. It says, then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what's your name? He said, Jacob. He said, uh, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, well, tell me your name, I pray. He said, well, why are you asking me my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Penel, for I've seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. As I can almost see him saying, my life that's flashed before my eyes. I've seen God face to face, and I lived through it. And just as he crossed over Penel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his way. With all the preparation that Jacob did, you're going to find this out in a minute. With all the preparation that Jacob did coming into this situation, coming into this dark place, with all the planning that he did and all the contingencies that he set up, that the plans was great. It's good to have a plan. Tell somebody, say, it's good to have a plan. But sometimes positioning is better than planning. And, 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 and because, see, you can have a plan, right? But, but, but sometimes when you don't know what the future is, your plan misses, misses the bullseye. But there's other times that when you are positioned, you're ready for what's to come. And so this is what we find in this scripture. So let's go back and let's talk about what we find here. So we notice the context of this text is that the scripture says that Jacob was left alone. Now the author took the moment to put that out, that, that Jacob wasn't in a crowded room. Jacob wasn't in the church service. Jacob wasn't on his job. With his, he wasn't at the club with his boys. Jacob was left alone. That's powerful. He was isolated. He was sheltered in place. He, he was left alone. Makes a point to say that. And then it says that a man wrestled with Jacob. Notice that it didn't say that Jacob wrestled with the man. In other words, this man came and un unannounced, like so many things that come into our lives, and picked a fight with him. 
So now he's got to just say, have you ever been in a situation when you're like, okay, and I want to tell a Kevin Hart joke, but I don't think I could tell it. <laughs> but it's like, you know you got something big coming up tomorrow. And you're like, I ain't got time for that today because something's on my mind. And so Jacob's like, I know what I got to face tomorrow. And he's sitting there, and then all of a sudden, unannounced, here comes this unexpected person showing up at his house. Company shows up without calling first, without texting first. And then this company wants to pick a fight with you. And then, ironically, we're going to find out in a minute that this company just ain't any company. It's either the angel of the Lord or God himself. And most theologians will tell you that it's God himself showing up in human form. And, and when God shows up, here's the thing. When God shows up, it's often inconvenient. And he may not come the way you would look for him to come. And he may come interrupting your plan. But here comes God showing up and says, I... We're going to wrestle. And as they begin to wrestle, things get bad, go from bad to worse. They're wrestling and wrestling, and the man says, notices, oh, we're going back and forth. I'm not winning yet. So what the man does is he said, all right, I'm, let, me just, let me just touch his thigh, touch his hip joint. And when he touches his hip, his hip is pulled or pushed out of place. And, and I don't know if you've ever seen the pain that comes when somebody's hip is out of place, but I've seen firsthand a, a, a man that went through an immense amount of pain when his hip was pulled out of place. I was at physical therapy a few years back and, and um, literally, I mean, two feet away, obviously, before the pandemic, and this, this older man is just lying there and he's just having this really wonderful conversation, just relaxed, and the therapist literally literally did nothing. I mean, she literally touched his leg. Literally, I've watched the whole thing. And this man screamed out a scream that I had never heard before. Before I knew it, the ambulance was there. He was going to the hospital because his hip was dislocated. It was painful. It meant that he could not get up and just walk on his own. He, they had to carry him out. It was painful. And, and so the man looks at, at Jacob. He says, you know, I'm fighting you one way and you fighting me another way and I realize and, and as you look at this text what you realize is it's not so much about a physical fight it's about a fight of will so you have Jacob fighting for what he wills and you have God fighting for God's will and God said it's not that I can't beat Jacob but I'm never going to override his will God will never override your will but God will allow pain to enter into your life so that you can surrender So Jacob is now shifting. Somebody say shifting. He's now shifting, watch this, not to plan, but to be in position. Because see, there's one thing that Jacob did all of his life besides trick people. Run. Run. He was a runner. He had run away from his brother. He had run away from his uncle Laban, uh, right before this text, he was a man that when he faced trouble, he had to run. But what do you do when you're in a dark season and there's no place to run? What do you do in the middle of a pandemic and there's no place to run? What do you do in the middle of a recession and there's no place to run? What do you do in a failing uh, job uh, industry, a job uh, time, and there's no place to run? What do you do when you can't run? You got to get in position. So God begins to shift something inside of Jacob, so that Jacob can be in position. Because see, here's the thing. 
about your hip muscle and about your hip socket and, and your thigh. Your thigh is your strongest muscle. But that just goes to show you that God said, you've been leaning on yourself so long that I got to shift some things so that you can learn how to lean and depend and depend and lean on me. So that when you come out of this dark place, when you come out of this dark night, you're not depending on yourself. You are depending on me. You're getting yourself in position. I don't know if you've noticed, but most of the things, actually I would argue all of the things that we've been tempted to lean on in this season have shown themselves not capable of fully supporting us. Everything that we have trusted in, everything that we have hoped on, everything that we have put our faith in has shown itself that it's not as strong as we thought it was. It's looked like God literally just put his finger out and just touched our hip and showed us the things we've depended on, the systems, whether you've depended on an economic system because you live in America and we've got so comfortable that we actually don't depend on God, we depend on our paycheck. He's like, I can touch that too. We've gotten so dependent on our medical care and on our doctors and what medicine can do. He said, I can touch that too. We've gotten so comfortable with our government and our officials and our politicians. He said, I can touch them too. We got comfortable with an education system that we think is going to make us to what we think we are supposed to be. He said, I can touch that. Whatever you've leaned on, I, I don't know about y'all, but I've noticed God has touched some things I've leaned on and moved them out of socket. Right at the worst time, it's like, you know what, God, tomorrow I got this big fight. I got this big thing. I got to deal with Esau, and he very well may take my life. Couldn't you choose to come? I mean, if you'd have came just one more night, let's let me get to tomorrow and just showed up tomorrow night or even the night after that. And God said, no, no, I'm coming tonight. Tonight we wrestle. And the Bible says that he wrestled with him all night until the breaking of day. God did a work in him, not after the night, but during the night. I'm trying to tell y'all something. See, see, God did the work in him in the midst of the dark period in his life. See, I, what I sense is that a lot of believers are waiting for things to get, for things to become better, and then they feel like they're going to be okay. They're waiting for God to do something and then shift the circumstances and work in, work in the circumstances. God says, no, no, I want to work in you in the midst of the circumstances. I found out before God deals with the darkness around you, watch this, he deals with the darkness within you. Oh, God, end the virus. Let me deal with what you've been trusting in first. Oh, God, combat and race relations. Let me deal with what you've been leaning and depending on first. Oh, God, 
Send the vaccine. I'm trying to get some of y'all like I'm running from it's, it's weird because some of us are running for it. Some folks are running to it. No matter where you stand, God said, I'm going to deal with the darkness in you before I deal with the darkness around you. And right in the middle of that dark place, Jacob gets this revelation. Because see, notice the scripture says a man wrestled with him. No name. A man, that's it. A man wrestling with him. No description. Six foot tall, you know, n- none of that. No description. A man. But in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the night, Jacob gets a revelation that whoever he's wrestling with has the ability to bless him. Oh, you missed that. Whoever this is that I'm wrestling with right now obviously has the ability to bless, bless him, which is why when the man says, I gotta go, my time is up, he said, hold up, you ain't leaving here until you bless me. And the Bible says in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his hip being pulled out of place, he is holding on now for dear life, saying, I ain't letting you go until you bless me. See, one of the ways that you deal with the reset, I'm going to give you three quick things that you got to do if you want to see a resetting life. You got to embrace it. You got to be able to say, God, I'm willing to go through the pain. I'm willing to go through the shame. I'm willing to go through the fire. I'm willing to go through the trial. I'm going to embrace the reset. I'm going to embrace you. I'm not going to come out of this without getting a hold of you. I'm not coming out of this without your blessing. I'm going to embrace it right now. If it takes four months, if it takes four years, I'm going to embrace the process i'm going to embrace the blessing that you have for my life because before god deals with the darkness around you he often deals with the darkness within you and then the next thing happens jacob says uh the man says to jacob what's your name all right let's rewind this you came to my house. You picked a fight with me. And you asked me what my name is? Really? You asked me what my name is. How many of y'all know that when God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't already have the answer? Whenever God asks a question, it's not because he don't have the answer. It's because he wants to give you a revelation about something. He wants to show you something that you're not really clear about if you got a piece of paper we're going to do something really funny and, I'm, and we're going to keep it moving i want you to write down some letters you ready put it in the chat box you ready y'all ain't ready you can use your phone you can use your piece of paper if you have it i'm going to give you some names because a name speaks a lot about how people identify us and what we identify with. You guess that? So your name is how people identify you. Like for instance, I'm Don Broly the third, that little last part, the third, makes me identified from the second or the junior and from the senior, right? But it also can tell you what you identify with as well. So write down the letters, capital A, then write B, C and D. That's a name. 
Some people pronounce it obesity. Let me rephrase that, obesity. Mm. You ready for the second one? Capital L dash lowercase a. That's a name. Ladasha. Ladasha. It's true. You don't want to do it? I got two more. You can take it back to Zakata with you. Ready? Capital S. Another S. Another S. Another S. And a T. Capital S. You're right. S S S T. For est. Forest. I'm just telling you, these new generations coming up got me worried, y'all. I don't know which generation it is. Final one. This one takes a cake. J. K. M. N. J. K. M. N. Five seconds to figure out. You got it. No L. The alphabet. J. K. L. M. N. J. K. M. N. No L. Some of us are real original. But a name tells us who we are and how people see us. How many of y'all, I don't know if I would hire Noel, I'm just saying. Um, but a name tells us how we identify you and what you identify with often. When, when we were, um, when Pastor Mono was pregnant with our firstborn, we didn't know what we were going to name. We didn't like have a, a name chosen, really, we couldn't land on one, either one of us, really, to the end. And, um, and so she said, well, do you, this is prior to this. She said, do you want to name him Don? I was like, nope. <laughs> and so it was like, well, why not? I was like, well, let's see, because I want to break some things that has come down in the name. And so I don't want him to identify with some of the characteristics of my grandfather and then some of the characteristics of, of my daddy wasn't saved at that point, and then even some of the characteristics that I might inherited that I hadn't seen yet because I was too young, the jury was still out. How about that? And so I said, nope, not going to name him my name. So we, we, you know, we were just like, well, we could not land on a name. And one day I was driving in, in Long Island Place in Amityville, and I was just driving. I was right by a light, and I stopped, and I saw the name of the street, and it said Brandon. And I saw my name in it, the D-O-N at the end. I said, that's it right now. That right there, a brand new Don. So that's how he got his name. Because, because your name speaks to what you identify with. And so for him, I didn't want him to identify with any necessarily of the Dons. But I wanted him to have his own identity that he identified with something different than, was it, than what was in our outlook. I find it interesting that God would ask Jacob, what is your name? Because I think what God wanted Jacob to get at was a place of, of, number one, he had to let it come out of his mouth 
that his name was Jacob. It's like me saying, and I need y'all to work with me. It's like, it's like me saying, what's your name? Now he said Jacob, but the meaning of Jacob is trickster. Now imagine you're about to face your enemy, your, your, not your enemy, but your brother for 20 years that's mad at you because you tricked him. And God said, uh-huh, what's your name? And Jacob now has got to say, trickster. Can you imagine the amount of shame that he must have been carrying knowing that, you know, I ran 20 years, but I got to go back and face up to the fact that that, that I was a trickster. And now here you come in the middle of the night asking me what my name is. And he had to bring it out of his own mouth. My name is Trickster. Can you imagine how heavy that was? And see, last week it was about access. It was about God says, Jacob, you have access. And because you have access, you have access to all my promises. You have access to my protection. You have access to to all my provision that I have you. All that's already taken care of for you. My protection is already taken care of. This week is not about access. This week is about acknowledgement. Because here's what I found out. You can never be delivered by whatever you deny. You'll never be delivered from the thing that you deny. You've got to acknowledge the thing that you have denied. You'll never be delivered, watch this, from anything that you're not willing to admit. That was your problem. So God wanted Jacob to get it out of the trickster. Yes, that's me. I grew up to be a trickster. I was named that way before I was born. They called, when I was born, they called me a trickster. And I heard it all my life. And I began to look just like what they called me. They told me when I was little, you're going to be just like your father. They told me when I was little, you're going to fail. They labeled me. They gave me an identity. And now I've grown into it. They told me all my life, failure, 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 failure. Right now, God, I'm a failure. They told me all my life, fraud, 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 fraud. Right now, I'm a fraud. They told me all my life, incapable, incapable. In, and right now, God, I'm incapable. It comes to a point where God says, I want to deliver you. I want to set you free. I want to reset in your life. But before I can do it, you've got to acknowledge it because you'll never be delivered from the thing you deny. That's why the Bible says, if we confess our faults, not for condemnation. We confess our faults one to another that you may be healed. There's deliverance in confessing. That's why I could go to an AA meeting and I could have started going January 2020 and I could show up January 2021 and I could say, and I go there. What's going to happen when I get there? One of the first things going to happen is I'm going to stand up and say, hello. Depends on which side of town you're on. They may say, hello. Hello. My name is Don, and I'm an alcoholic. Thank you. Now, I've been going... Stuff like that make, make a person drink. <laughs> I've been going for 12 months. Why, if I've been going for 12 months, and all y'all been here the whole time I've been going to, because you're an alky too. Y'all been going, why is it that I got to get up and say my name and that I'm alcoholic? 
because you'll never be delivered from what you deny. It's about acknowledgement. It's about acknowledgement. That's like a person saying, you know, you, you offend somebody, or they offend you rather, and they come and they just say, hey, what's going on? You're like, you're not even going to acknowledge the fact that you just trespassed. You're not going to acknowledge the fact that you hit my car. you got to acknowledge it. There's not a healing. There's not a deliverance. There's not a moving forward in the things that we deny. Until we deny, until we are uh, uh, able to acknowledge the truth that's in our lives, we can't be free from the things that we don't acknowledge as true. So the first thing is you've got to embrace it. The second thing is you've got to acknowledge it. And I'm almost done. He says, after he says, my name is Jacob, he said, I'm glad you got that out. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Somebody say prevailed. All your life, you're identified as a trickster. But what he says now is, you won't be known in the future as the one who got the blessing by stealing it or tricking your father to get it. But you've struggled. You spent time in prayer. You spent time before me. And, and you struggled, and now watch this. You got the blessing legitimately. He blessed him there. That was to fix what Jacob had messed up 20 years ago. The first time way he got the blessing was illegitimately. This time God said, don't even worry about that because Jacob, you got the blessing legitimately because I'm giving it to you directly. So no longer in the future. And by the way, no longer, you know, uh, in the past, when people, in, the, in the far future when you're gone out and out of here, will people remember you as, as being a trickster? They're going to remember you as Israel. You, pre- you prevailed. He that pre- prevails and overcomes. And I want to encourage you this morning because if you are walking in condemnation, if you are walking in guilt, if you're walking in shame, I want you to understand that you are not what you've done, but you are what you've overcome. He got the blessing because he was willing to overcome that thing that had been part of his life. He embraced it. He acknowledged it. And then God blessed him there and he prevailed there. You are not what you've done, but what you've overcome. And the Bible says that Jacob got up the next morning and the Bible says he walked on a limp and the sun rose on him. See, after he got the blessing, notice the the whole scene, everything began to change. Now it's completely daylight. He's up and he's on his way. He's no longer leaning on his own self, leaning on his own wit, leaning on his own abilities, but now he's learned how to lean and depend on God. And all the planning didn't matter. Because when you read the next chapter, what we find out is that because he came in leaning and depending on God, and he came in in a humble position, his brother and his 400 men that were with him, his, his army of 400 that could have took him out, he, come, he shows up. No longer is, is Jacob sending his wives before him. It's a, Jacob got his families behind him, and he comes in very humbly. He's positioned differently. And because he positioned himself humbly, he found favor in Esau's sight, and Esau wanted to bless him. The greatest thing you can get out of this season right now is a humble recognition that you're God-dependent. 
Don't leave the season thinking that you still got it going on. God, I need you, and I don't have it all figured out. But if I can just get up and leave this season more dependent than when I came in, then I'll be in position to face whatever tomorrow holds. Because while wrestling, he didn't know what tomorrow held, but he found out who held tomorrow. And when you get in position with God, when you get that reset from God, you still don't know what tomorrow holds. But one thing that you know about it, if I, if I get that reset from God, I can face tomorrow. He ain't scared no more. He's just leaning and depending. Depending and leaning. I want to pray for you this morning. Stand up. Love to pray for you this morning. Right where you are at your home, take a moment this morning. And I want you to get in your heart a steadfast endurance that you're going to embrace the season. This is not our favorite season. But it doesn't have to be for there to be a blessing in it. Sometimes the greatest blessings are in your darkest places. Did you hear what I said? Let me say it again. Sometimes your greatest blessings are in your darkest places. The Bible says, I'll give you the treasures of darkness. Sometimes your greatest blessings are in your darkest places. Sometimes the greatest transformation God does in your life is in those dark places. It's in the darkness of the womb that an embryo becomes an infant. Did you hear what I just said? It's in the darkness of a soil that a seed becomes a great oak. We talk about Impact Church transforming one to impact many. God wants to transform us. Yes, we pray that God heals our nation. But you know what I'm praying for you as your pastor this morning? That he transforms you. That when you come out of this season, your life impacts many. My life impacts many. That this will not have been a season of pain for naught. The scripture says in Proverbs 20, 30 that sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Don't waste this pain. Let God change something inside of you. So that when you come out, you come out better. How many want that this morning? Thank you, God. Father, we come to you this morning in recognition we need you. We need you, God. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We, we really don't know what the future holds. We don't know what the new normal looks like. We don't know with any certainty about tomorrow. And Lord, there's a place in us that said, it's all going to be okay when the vaccine rolls out or when the new administration comes in or when they open back school. It's all going to be. But the truth of the matter is, God, it's not okay until we're okay. So, Father, I pray this morning that while there's darkness around us, deal with the darkness within us. Deal with our doubts, deal with our fears, deal with who we've become so that we can become who we've called, who we were called to be. Father, we lift up 
this house, this church. Let us live into our name, impact. Let us be transformed, oh God, that we can impact many. God, we lift up the church of Jesus Christ where there is brokenness, where there's division. Lord, we pray that where there's hostility, we pray that you would heal your church so the church can get in position that you can heal the land. Thank you for this season of resetting, God. We embrace it, we acknowledge it, and we're going to walk in the blessing that it brings. In Jesus' name.